to Enhance the UK's Undressing Disability podcast, where we strip back all things taboo on sex and disability. Hello and welcome to a new episode. Damien and I are so excited to be talking to the lovely Reed Amber, who is a sex, nudity and mental health anti-shamer. Hello, Reed. Thank you for joining us today. And before we start, Reed, could you just give a, an audio description of yourself for all our listeners, please? Hello, it's such a pleasure to be here. Um, so I am a young female um, wearing a yellow top that says endure and survive. I'm also part of the glasses gang right now. And my hair is probably the most recognized part about me is is the two-tone effect, you know, Cruella de Vil, Desired, where half of my fringe is brown, my natural colour, and the other half is white. And I've recently just dyed my whole whole hair white. So, woo! <laughs> it is a very distinctive look. I love it. When did you start, first, like, start doing the half and half with the fringe? I think that was probably about five years ago. Um, and I, I've had a bob with a fringe for maybe the past, like, 10 years something mad I've had this hairstyle for a long old time and I was just getting bored of it and then Corella Deville inspiration she's a bad oh actually can I swear before yeah, I uh, swear you like yeah. all right she's a badass bitch um and so yeah dyed the little well bleached my my streak in my fringe and then all my hair was brown um and then I just recently done the flip reverse so like the inverse of it this year um and it's been quite fun I mean I feel like everyone needs to bleach or dye their hair at some point in their life um if you can do it because it's just it's just a little bit of fun at least you can you know worst case scenario just cut it all off <laughs> I've bleached and dyed my hair till it's like look at I mean if anyone could see this, they'd be glad that they're on a podcast because it's dying. <laughs> it's absolutely, absolutely gross. But um, you are like, I mean, can you just tell everyone? I mean, you're very well known for lots of reasons. But can you just oh, tell thanks. us a little bit about um, what, what you do? And, um, and you've got a lovely big following um, on Instagram as well. And tell us about tell us about yourself. Oh, thank you. That's so lovely. Um, so I am, I dub myself a, a sex nudity and mental health anti-shamer. So that's kind of where my expertise lie is pushing myself out there, being as vulnerable as possible, talking about subjects that most people don't enjoy talking about to make others feel a little bit more comfortable and normalized. I am one half of Come Curious, which is our little multimedia platform. Come Curious is something that Florence and I started on YouTube, and now it's grown to a podcast and social media. And we do very much the same thing where it's sex education, body honesty, and mental health. So kind of all married the two together. And yeah, and I'm also a very proud sex worker. So I've kind of got many fingers in many pies. Mm. You have you have got all the fingers and all the pies and the toes or whatever people <laughs> yeah. like, really. Oh, oh yeah. Most of my followers love my feet. They really do. Oh. I have I have two OnlyFans for this very reason. My normal OnlyFans, the OG account, and then my foot specific OnlyFans. It's just because the amount of requests I get to see my feet and I'm like, hey, man, like whatever gets you off. I love it. Like I'm into feet myself. I am down for it. And that is what I enjoy doing is making people who have kinks and fetishes and feel shame around sex feel comfortable and like it's cool because I think foot fetish is fucking cool. 
It's funny, isn't it? I know I've seen lots of people ask, you know, and look at your feet. And we're going to get into like the the fetish and the kinks like in a minute, because that's really interesting. But I think (laughs) one of the biggest things for me, I mentioned when we started talking, you know, my default was oh yeah you know and I'm I'm 42 and my boobs are a bit saggy and they've you know mm-hmm. they've fed a couple of kids and we almost go especially women into this kind of like default of it, like um excusing ourselves a little bit don't yeah. we you know that's mm-hmm. what we do and somebody goes nice dress or oh yeah thanks I got it from you know it was in the sale from you know yes you just kind of can't just go yeah thanks it looks it looks wicked that's why I wear it I'm rocking it you also have to make some kind of excuse and especially when it comes to sex we you know kind of have to like really play it down but I mean Mm -hmm. you're you're 30 like this is still quite a young you know when did you start kind of having the confidence to be able to talk so openly about this I feel like that maybe came from I mean I was really lucky growing up my mum she was very open about a lot of stuff um especially now she's had a recent diagnosis of Asperger's so it might explain a hell of a lot of why we don't have much shame as a family and there was not much shame growing up around talking about sex and nudity um but that was also sort of programmed into us in that it was like you can always talk about anything without anyone um and my sister and I are exactly the same there isn't really any limits with what we talk about and I think a lot of people get confused because we're family and yet we're talking about quite explicit sex stuff and I do the same with my mum um and I have done with my dad and with my brother um of course the gender split kind of makes that a little bit more complicated but you know like that's something that we're trying to bridge the gap on because it shouldn't there shouldn't be a divide when it comes to sex uh and so yeah through school it was just sex was something that I was always interested in that I was always happy to talk about that I always wanted to learn more about and I was like you know when you have your group of friends I was like I was the sex one the one that always came out with the ridiculous statements the one that oh you're you're gonna like lose your virginity first like I actually didn't um but it was yeah sex was where I felt comfortable and where I felt like I prospered and Uh, And I kind of had to relearn how to behave and how to think growing up and going into the real world of office jobs and, you know, boyfriends, parents and realizing that I just couldn't talk about the things that I wanted to talk about um, in that kind of environment. The amount of times that I've been in an office space and I've had to have the meeting of you can't talk about that stuff here. And I've, I've really had to relearn that. Um, but it's always just been something that I'm so, so comfortable with and being an an exhibitionist like myself, like I've been putting up nudes on the internet of myself since I was like 17 because, you know, Tumblr, RIP Tumblr, but like that was like a real waking moment for me. Um, and just, just kind of playing to what I enjoy and to what makes me feel good, regardless of what society feels. Um, and then, yeah, putting myself on social media and, And it's almost like a really explicit form of therapy is putting out something that is so personal and so vulnerable and something that makes you feel terrified to talk about. Um, This year, I finally came out on my stories as a tickle fetishist, which is something that I have kept hidden and secret since I was like, since I can remember, since I was like nine years old or something. Um, And it, just doing little things like that, coming out and public and owning the things that make me feel embarrassed or make me feel shame has really helped me to see how important it is to talk about. The, the thing that I feel most embarrassed or shameful about is the thing that needs to be addressed. 
and needs to be put out there because that's the thing that's holding me back from being myself. So being able to do that on my Instagram, I feel very lucky and I feel very privileged to do so. And I can safely say that this year, being 30 years old, I finally feel like me like my full ultimate self that I don't have to hide any part of me. And it's so liberating. Um, And I would recommend it for everyone. Yeah. (laughs) It's such a liberation, isn't it? I mean, I can, I mean, I can really relate to a lot of what you said. I mean, at school, I was always the person that talked about sex. I was always the one, I was giving like cock classes on the Calippo, you know, I was doing all that, you know, that was me. But I think that I, the, the difference between, you know, where you, you have kind of gone right this is me, you know, warts and all very publicly. Whereas I guess the way that I went down was setting enhance up, you know, and saying everybody has the right to be able to talk about sex. Everybody has the yes. right to be able to be sexual and kind of done through charity. Um, mm-hmm. But there's still that kind of, you know, element that I keep back of myself, you know, because that scares the shit out of me. You know, I'll be yeah. honest with you, doing what you're doing, even though like I think I'm pushing the same messages in the same way, I'm not, ex- you know, exposing myself personally personally Mm -hmm. quite you know not in the way that you are and that's like that's a really brave thing to do and you see so Mm. many younger people doing that now and I kind of sit back and go wow you know that's it's a ballsy move isn't it it's a it's a big it's a lifestyle it is I was the other way I was the shy one at school and like obviously now Mm -hmm. that's all I talk about is sex every day but it's it's, (laughs) but I yeah it's definitely a brave thing is there any negative do you think to it though Reid Oh yeah, there there are tons of negatives, like especially now where it's almost like vulnerability is currency, where you're not necessarily getting the engagement that you want if you're not open and like pouring your life story out online at the moment. And so you have people that might not feel comfortable doing it, who feel inadequate or compare themselves to others who might think, you know, thinking I'm never going to be able to talk like that, or those who maybe have done a post talking about some kind of issue could be like anything from like drug addiction or something personal to them or um, a a mental health issue that they've gone through um, realize that they've had loads of likes on it and then have that almost like pull and feel like they need to put more out there to get that engagement back and that can be really tricky like I'm I'm currently in that state at the moment where I put out a post recently which like blew up went crazy it was all about shaving rash and it was quite an explicit image it was half of my my venus mound if you will with with pubes shaving rash like spots all over it where I was really uncomfortable and I was upset about it as well and that got picked up by the Instagram algorithm and skyrocketed and it ended up ended up having some I think it's at something like 240,000 likes and my my Instagram is like a moderate size but nothing quite I've never had anything like that before I mean my my post my engagements kind of get around the 4,000 mark to maybe up to like eight or 9,000 likes. I mean, at the moment, I currently have just over 100,000 followers on my account, which is incredible. And I never thought I would get here either. But that one post, the shaving post, did give me something mad, like 20,000 followers in two weeks time. And I I mean, that blows my mind, especially when, as you know, Instagram really doesn't like sex content um it really pushes that away like we know that there are particular keywords that are blacklisted on purpose for it so I honestly never thought that 
my stuff would be picked up. But it just goes to show the need and the want for content like that, like how important it is for people to see. I'm not harming anyone. What I put out there wasn't gross or shameful. And yet so many people related to it and thought, oh my God, like it, I can still be sexy and deal with shaving rash. It doesn't make anyone feel nice. Yeah, it was um, like the one you put out, The I think was it a couple of weeks ago, the one with the tampon string on show? I just yeah, tampon was, string, baby. Again, it was brilliant. <laughs> and it got, like you say, it, again, it blew up because people were sharing yeah. it and talking about it. But I just think I love the honesty that's on your account, especially like Thank you. some of the really dark subjects you'll talk about, like, you know, drugs, yeah your anxiety and like that can't be easy i i saw your post the other week i think it was we were sat outside a church talking about drug use and things yeah my drug addiction yeah that was really deep but i think that could help so many people in that similar situation thank you um i mean that's also something that i've been wanting to talk about for ages but not knowing how to talk about it because like I'm I'm not an expert like I'm not I'm not a sex expert I'm just somebody who talks about what they've learned and talks about their opinions and thoughts openly um and that can be dangerous as well because people might take what I say as gospel and that's that you know that's dangerous too I have to be careful about what I say um but with the drug addiction stuff it's the first year that this year is the first year where I've looked back and gone oh my god I've I've been addicted to drugs for 10 years and And of course, I didn't want to see it then because drugs were great. And that's all I relied myself on, especially when you're dealing with mental health issues and your escapism is drink and drugs. Um, And so now I've come to a comfortable place where I can look back and go, oh, my God, that that was me then. And yes, it is. It does feel uncomfortable to talk about because like, how do I talk about drug addiction? I'm still not even 100 percent out of the clear of it. I'm still trying to figure out how I want to live my life and what works for me. And do I want to find a balance or do I want to stop completely? Um, And I don't want to give people the wrong impression of like drugs are great. Yay, everyone should do them because that's also dangerous and irresponsible. But all I can do is really talk about my experience and drugs were really fun for me then, but they were also covering up a much larger problem. And what I want to put out there mainly about doing content around drugs addiction is, is that drugs addiction isn't what you imagine it to be. Uh, For so long, I didn't think that I was a drug addict because I assumed drug addict looked like what we saw in the movies like you know junkies squatters like sorry to use all these horrible words but that kind of living hand to mouth um and I was like that's not me you know I'm not like that I I I work really well when I'm on drugs and and I would use that as an excuse like I would get a bag of coke in and sit there and do loads of work on the laptop for hours and hours and excuse it because and that that's a high functioning drug addict and I'm sure any one of us knows somebody who's addicted to painkillers, who drinks too much alcohol, who works too much. Like there, we all have our vices and we all have our addictions and no one ever thinks, hey, that's me. I've got the problem. So hopefully in coming out about it, maybe it will help somebody else realize that they need to need to cut down or rethink that the, the way they do about something that they do a lot. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Now, with with you know people like you talking really openly, obviously a lot of the the people that listen to this have got um, various different impairments, and I think a lot of the time people aren't always looking for answers; they're looking for somebody to relate to, to kind of go, yeah. "Yes, yes, you get me. That's exactly how I'm feeling," you know, or that that's what I've been going through. They don't necessarily want to be preached to and be told whether mm-hmm. something's right or wrong. You know, I certainly know when I went through IV 
IVF and I was just looking for people to kind of, I didn't even want answers. I just wanted the relatability, you know, um, and, and I think that's the thing with a lot of the people. And you talk about anxiety. Um, and I also think you've talked about having IBS before. Um, yes, IBS, all that motherfucker. It's oh, like it's my best friend it? and worst enemy. <laughs> I've been suffering with IBS like I think since I was like again a child like with stomach issues constantly um, and realizing a lot of it is anxiety related um, not just IBS like IBS is such a fuck as well because it's just like feel like you go to the doctor for any kind of stomach issues and they're like that's IBS but IBS really means you've got stomach issues and I don't know what the fuck they are so I'm just going to dob you with IBS and you just kind of have to suffer with that. Um, I feel for anyone dealing with IBS or stomach issues at the moment. Whoa, Lord. Oh, no, it's absolutely. I mean, I, I was exactly the same, actually. I went years ago. I think I was like really young, mm-hmm. like 12, 13 IBS. There we go. Here's an umbrella to put over. But it's so, so yeah. it's horrible because, you know, let's face it, when you're trying to get it on and you've got IBS, you know, oh, it's not my. the one, is it? It's not the one. It does not make No, it. and all I want to do is just go and have a shit in peace, you know? And yeah. I can't do that. I'm either constipated or I've got the runs. And I'm just like, and I'm terrified about what I want to eat. There was a good couple of years um, where I was so scared to go outside for dinner because I was scared I was going to have an IBS flare up and be caught short and shit myself. Um, and that has happened before, um, especially like, again with the waves of anxiety and I would it would turn into panic for me and panic attacks and anxiety and and so I would end up avoiding eating out anytime you know I would just I would have to bring like a cereal bar if we were going to go out for drinks that's not good that's not fun I want to be able to enjoy myself um so yeah owning it online really helped me overcome a lot of that and comedy and laughter and taking the piss out of it also really helped I'm not saying it's like a good thing to do and it cures but it's also a really great way to normalize something that makes it you know makes it horrible for you because if you're having a laughter laugh about it and it's the same with anything you know sex you just have to be careful not to laugh too much where you're overshadowing the actual issue and you're actually still working hard at working on it and working on your mental health it's okay to have a laugh because some people might feel awkward a lot of people do not like talking about shit it's like well if you're my friend you're gonna have to be okay with it because that's what I'm gonna be doing half the time is shitting (laughs) or at least thinking about it people still I mean uh one of my my neighbors had a new um new girlfriend and they were talking about you know moving in this is absolutely true talking about Mm -hmm. moving in and I said well yeah brilliant you can you know you can move in they've got three bedroom house and she said Mm -hmm. no I really think we should move they've only been together three months I think we should move to look for somewhere else because what if I need to go for a poo and she whispered this and you're only like oh "Oh my god I think you're going to see each other who will be around that you both need to go to the toilet and I think this yeah. is the thing it's like you know we, we, we've tried to like present this perfect thing and going back to what you said about the shaving rash and like needing to mm-hmm. go you know doing a fart and like going you know yeah. and all of that you know I mean yeah okay I mean it's not always the most attractive but we're humans and our bodies don't always act the way that we want them to act it doesn't mean that we're not sexy you know it's really important you know if you don't have that control and lots of people who are going to be listening you know, you might have stomas, they might, you know, various different things, mm-hmm, or, um, yeah. colitis or Crohn's or whatever. And it's like, it's okay to know that these things can happen and we can still feel sexy. So important. And yeah, and it's that whole thing of it can go wrong during sex as well. I, I'll talk. Oh, about how yeah. I, I'll talk about how I've dislocated my shoulders, my hips <gasps> during sex and things like that. 
Oh, you've shit. got to see that funny side to it sometimes. It, it might not mm-hmm. be funny, but it is. And you've got to try and just go through the movement. And, or, yeah. you know, for that want of a word when that happens. But, yeah. <laughs> Damien, you, did, you, dis- you did dislocate a rib going for a poo. Yes, that well, is come very on, true. Oh, stop it. That must have been an extreme poo. What happened? No, it wasn't. Just a normal <laughs> poo and the rib came out. Yeah. No! Oh, my God. That must have been... Was it a laughing moment or was it agony? Were you like, what the fuck? Oh, no, it was a laughing moment. <laughs> yeah. I can't was it a point. poo, though? Or was it, were you trying to suck yourself off? And you're like, oh, yeah, no, it was a poo, I swear. <laughs> now, every time you come up to a meeting and you say you dislocated a rib, I'll be like, or yeah. do you think you're Prince? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've all been there. I just haven't dislocated them yet, but I'm still trying. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I go to Pilates three times a week, you know. Hey, oh, nice, nice. I mean, a lot a lot of what we're embarrassed about is society, is other people. All the things that we're scared about talking about is because somebody else at some point in our lives has made it seem like it's not okay. Um, really, what we think, what we, what we feel comfortable with, like having, like, think about how you would feel if you were on your own, like naked, masturbating, filthy, uh, everything, farting, shitting, pissing, vomiting, everything like that. And it's as soon as other people come into the mix, they make you feel uncomfortable about it. You know, the stuff that you want to talk about, if you're holding yourself back, the stuff that you want to do, if you're holding yourself back, ask where that's come from, because more likely it's not come from you. It's come from parents, partners, friends that have that they they've had the problem with it and put their thoughts and opinions on you and I mean we can't help that that is like part of being human that is part of society um even now I'm going through a moment with my boyfriend where he's not really cool with farting but like farting is like something that is like fundamental to me um so we're trying I'm trying to go through the ways of like okay well I just feel uncomfortable a lot of the time cool Right. How are we how, where's the compromise? How are we going to figure this out? And I'm not stopping the conversation. We will keep conversating about it until we find a happy medium. <laughs> you just fart, fart in a tune or something. Do you train? Oh, that would be great. Yeah. Every day is fart happy birthday. Well, yeah. Or he can he can put a playlist and then you can just practice it. <laughs> you know. But like, can we talk? Because I know that we've got so much to talk to you about. But can we talk about like you talk about a lot about fetishes and kinks and yeah, like, baby, the difference of right. So can you just tell people what's the difference between a fetish and a kink? So, um, and it's taken me all my life to figure this out. Even someone with a couple fetishes and loads of kinks. So a kink generally speaking, is something that doesn't turn most people on. You can go through phases in and out. You can see something on porn or do something with your partner. You're like, oh my God, I really fancy that. That's quite nice. That feels good. I'm into it. Um, But it's something that maybe you could take or leave. It's not fundamental. But a fetish is something that is fundamental to your pleasure. Um, It's something, generally speaking, that has come about since adolescence, childhood, through an experience that has almost like hard-coded itself into your brain into your sex psyche and a lot of the time a fetish is something that's non-sexual a non-sexual act body part or what's the other one item so uh, for example like latex could be a fetish denim could be a fetish boots could be a fetish uh, for me tickling is a huge fetish bondage is a, is a fetish being tied up um of course they could there's a lot of crossover as well like you can have a lot of 
kinks that are fetishes, a lot of fetishes that are kinks. But the main difference is a fetish is the thing that you almost can't escape from. That's the thing that's always there, that you always go back to, that you always think about. Even if you repress it for years, it will always come up. Uh, And that's taken me so long to figure out, even though I have fetishes myself. It was like a real, like, penny drop moment when I figured that out. I was like, oh, okay. Because a lot of people use it as um, just like a term for, a lot of people think like fetish, they think of like BDSM, dungeon, bondage, sadomasochism, all that kind of stuff. Um, But no, a fetish could be a door handle and somebody has a fetish for door handles. Um, And it, it, yeah, and a lot of people feel a lot of shame. I feel like kinks, something that people can talk about. Um, Fetishes is something that people have had to try and hide and and learn to figure out and get around, especially because it's a lot of the time it's an experience when you're younger. There's a lot of like weird feeling involved around it. So I feel for anyone that has a fetish because it's so tough trying to come to terms with it yourself unless you're lucky. And you have a partner that you can talk to. But even I struggled talking to to partners, to anyone about it. And it wasn't until last year that I was like, okay, I need to fucking own this because I just feel sad for little old me, like somebody who has a tickling fetish that hasn't been able to explore it because I haven't allowed myself to, you know? Where would you stand and- on fetishes that affect other people in the sense? Because we get a lot of questions at Enhance mm. about devoteeism, which is yeah. like... Yeah, which for anyone is the fetish of how, like about someone being disabled, and yeah, we, it puts a lot of people in awkward situations with dating and things like that because they're worried they might be just dating a devotee and they're not sure. So, yeah, where would you give advice on that? Um, yeah, of course, like fetishization can happen all the time, um, and. I feel like fetishization is something that just somebody's going for you because of that thing, that one thing. So whether it is a disability or you're, you know, amputee, like, but ah, so hard to say or think about because I'm also trying to put myself in the position of like how I would see it if I knew someone else, like, you know, like everyone's got hands, everyone can tickle. That's not necessarily true, but I know that I've also put myself there where like, if they can't do it properly, am I necessarily going to stay interested? Of course, I've debunked that. Um, most people don't understand that it is a fetish. Again, I didn't realise that I had a fetish. I, I thought it was just something that I was into, something that, or something that everyone had that they just didn't talk about. Um, it just means that they don't understand it themselves, um, that there's a lot of shame involved, that it just needs to be talked about. Um, I'm, there are like, I'm sure there are questions and things that you can do to try and figure out if it's a fetish or if really they don't mind. And a lot of the time, sometimes like if it is a fetish, um, they might fall in love with your personality regardless. Um, but of course you need to protect yourself and, and it, yeah, it, it is devastating to figure out that you have been fetishized and that was it, that you were just seen as a sexual object, um, and I, I get the same with sex work. A lot of people would just want to fuck me because I'm a sex worker rather than love my personality or who I am. Um, but that also takes time in figuring out where your self-esteem is from. And if this person, I mean, regardless of whether you're fetishized or not, if that if this person is just going to fuck you and leave you or do something with you and leave you, like how that would make you feel and how you pick yourself up and move on. 
Um, of course, it's more likely to happen if they have a fetish, but you can talk to them about it. You can ask them openly, like, um, what is it that you want out of this? Like, why did you want to meet with me today? Do you have a fetish for this? Is this something you're sexually into? If so, okay, let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation. If they don't feel comfortable talking about it, then it's going to be hard no matter what. Um, it's it's one of those you kind of just have to own or try to own. But of course, it, it, it takes time and it so depends on who you're talking to as well because there's a lot of people out there that will get, offended or aggressive or upset because you're asking these questions but then they need more time to figure it out and you need to step the fuck back <laughs> there's a great I don't know if you've seen it there's a great documentary that the lovely Emily Yates who's um, part of our team made and it's called meet the devotees mm. um Ooh. if anyone wants to watch it and if you haven't seen it really it's well worth a watch you know and it's really you know she really dives into the world of devoteeism and kind of goes out to America and speaks to lots of devotees and it's just really interesting and you know just from 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 Enhance's point of view you know if anyone out there is listening and you know you, you feel like this is something that's affecting your life then please feel free to get in touch with us in the Love Lounge because we're always here to, to support you with that it's, it's a big thing the next thing and I probably will have to be quick on this because we could literally I reckon this is about a three-hour chat we could do on all of this <laughs> but um because we're really interested because we have lots of people contact us about like swingers clubs sex clubs you know anything to do with that just talking about accessibility really and like lots of people yeah. saying well, we want to go and it's shit we can't can't go in I think you mm-hmm. you know you you kind of visit quite a lot of clubs and go to places don't you yes well I'm, I'm privileged like I I am not I don't have a visible disability or something that might prevent me from going to a place like this unless it was anxiety or some kind of like I mean a, my obsessive compulsive disorder has stopped me from going out and, and leaving the flat um, but luckily my escapism is going to places like this um, so I can't talk necessarily from a point of view where you might need to have actual physical access uh there's a lot of sex parties going on there's a lot of good ones that are happening it's not just about like elitism i know that there are some places that are quite elitist you know like profile you know photo verification and all this stuff but there are some really good communities that you can find i wish i could remember them off the top of my head um do you know what maybe if you can and you can like send mm -hmm. them send them over to us and then we can put the information out for people because we're really kind of like doing quite a big project on this um and we want we want to we're on a mission aren't we damien to like really find as many or if any of you guys who are listening know any sex clubs, any swingers clubs, any fetish clubs, you know, that, that are accessible. And it doesn't always, you know, physical access is obviously one of the, mm-hmm. the big things. But maybe if people have made reasonable adjustments, you know, and 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 being able to, like, let somebody use a, a room upstairs, if not, you know, if, if there's a dungeon or something and you can't get downstairs, mm-hmm. things like that we'd be really interested to know about because everyone has a right to do this, you know, and to be able to explore um, and it's just one side of things that's just so unaccessible, frankly. Um, yeah. This is like, we need to be like, are there any millionaires out there listening? <laughs> <laughs> we need an amazing dungeon with a lift put in. That's what, that's what. Oh, beautiful. That's what that would be the dream. Like, uh, yeah. It, it, I mean, I know it's hard anyway. A lot of my, a lot of people that I know do run sex parties, fetish parties, but like even they really struggle finding the venues that allow that kind of, 
I don't want to say behavior it's like we're back at school but allow that kind of fun and like the nudity and the the online rep that they might get so I think it's it's not as easy as just finding like I mean that you're looking for a place for a sex party there's not many venues out there that are going to be okay with that and so the the pocket is even smaller for people who need accessibility but you're right we we need to strive and push forward to find that and make it more inclusive but inclusivity is is so good at the moment it's getting better um even just like listening to my friends who work in normal offices and they're they're creating inclusion and diversity teams and talking more about mental health and women's struggles and violence and, and so many good things are happening um but we just need to make sure that we're also putting that in place wherever we are um not necessarily putting ourselves out there if we don't feel comfortable or safe to but talking to our bosses and saying like hey is it okay if I put a group together that does talk about inclusivity and we meet up every week um can we put some funding behind it can we push for this can we push for this change of course it's hard work doing so but the more that we do that the more normalized it will be and soon we'll live in a world where it will be weird if it's not inclusive it'll be like oh that's what okay I'm not working there anymore no well, that, that is the ideal yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, the dream yeah I mean it's like any charity you set a chat I think you set a charity up and your long-term goal is to not have to exist anymore you know and that's what yeah. I would really like is that we don't have to exist anymore but at the moment we do and I know that um there is going to be so many people listening um listening to this and listening to you kind of going yes I need you know I mean not expecting everyone to suddenly like you know start taking taking their clothes off and like putting their photos up or you know and doing any of that but just for people to know you know you are sexy you are amazing mm-hmm. you are beautiful Baby, you yeah. are handsome you there is always going to be people out there that find you attractive and I know that the people that listen to this need that and need people like you kind of like trailblazing you know and it's really so for all the negative stuff that I know that you get that you mentioned you know there's so much positive mm-hmm. you know and and Damien and I are like you know massive fans of yours we really are and I think it's it's, it's thank it's, you it's, you know it's true and I think it's very it's brave it's brave to be able to do that and um you know and I just want, you know, again, our listeners to know that we are we're here to support you, you know, and if you need if you need to be able to kind of feel feel that liberation, just like, you know, like Reed does. Um, but is there is it before we go, is there anything else you want to kind of add and tell us about or promote anything that you're up to that you want us to know about? Yeah, I mean, there's loads of stuff. It's all exciting. But I did want to say, you know, if you if you are finding yourself lost in your community and you can do little things like making sure that you are following the people that inspire you and empower you and unfollowing the people or muting the people that make you feel negative and down about yourself. Um, and that's really hard to do because like, we are so invested in social media. Um, putting putting that out there, making sure that you're watching the right programs and putting the support there. Um, and it's the same with the devotees. Like I wanted to add that they are also human too. They are people. Um, and a lot of the time it's just, it's a lack of understanding from their side. It's a lack of of education, of them not understanding on how to talk about things or communicate. So as much as like they might offend you, you know, you could also offend them and upset them. And so that they don't know how to move forward from it. If 
if somebody does something that upsets you or offends you, it takes a lot of gall to not be angry, not to react on an emotional level and to sit there and, and ask questions and find out why they've said or done the things that they might have done. Um, of course, it's not your place to educate them. You can tell them to fuck right off. But I've always found that asking people why they feel that way. If somebody feels negative towards my sex work, I, I'm in there with like, oh, so what, what What makes you think that? Like, where has that thought process come from? Who has taught you that information? And to try and sort of hit the nail on the head. And most of the time, if you are calm and collected, they will listen and it, and it will help them see a different side of things, maybe not immediately, but hopefully plant that seed. Um, so yeah, my stuff, which is mainly just me on Instagram, that's probably my biggest port of call. Um, I have some exciting things coming up, but I can't necessarily share them, unfortunately, not just yet anyway. And of course, like, please like check out Come Curious, which is C-O-M-E Curious. And that's on YouTube. And we have the podcast Fucks Given, but fuck spell F asterisk asterisk K-S given. Um, which is just absolutely brilliant. Ah, thank you. And also stop apologizing for things like Jenny, like, like exactly how you said, if somebody compliments, you just take that compliment. And the more we push to do things like that, the more it brain trains us to react that way. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you for my compliments. Um, and, and like, we deserve them. <laughs> oh, well, look, Reed, thank you so, so much for coming on and, uh, taking the time to chat to us really appreciate it and I know that everyone will like really get a lot from like listening to you and if we can share any of your stuff that exciting projects once they come out or you know whatever then send stuff our way and that we will absolutely absolutely do that so thank you amazing thank you I love the support the community it's it's just so warming it's not about being against each other and trying to outdo each other or be better because that's what Instagram's forced us to think is this weird idea of inadequacy and also that followers and likes means how how good of a person you are and how popular you are or how much money you gain it's not about that it's about being happy within yourself enjoying what you do being the person that you want to be regardless of what other people think and it will be a long long and arduous journey but you'll never look back and regret you'll only end up just loving it even more so yeah thank you so much for having me on it's been so amazing it's been brilliant thank (laughs) Thank you you so much and exactly the more open conversations we have like this the better society will be end of yeah baby Woo! i love it let's strive for a better future (laughs) thank you so much for listening If you'd like any more information about the work we do under the Undressing Disability campaign, then go on to our website at enhanceuk.org and click on the Undressing Disability tab.